Ciao, buongiorno, wherever you are and whatever time it is in the world. Thank you very much for tuning in on what we hope will be the first of many successful editions of the Inter Worldwide podcast. So a little bit of an introduction. Who are we and what are we doing? Hopefully some of you listening have already followed us on Facebook or have seen the website and the YouTube. Basically, we are Inter Worldwide and we have been around for, I'd say, a good year or so. And we're looking to bring you quality English speaking into content and perhaps branch into some other languages as well. So the name Inter Worldwide, we look to give as much authenticity to, as, as we can to our name by integrating as many Inter fans around the world. It doesn't matter where you're from. We want to hear your voices and your opinions of our great club that we love so much. I'm joined by two very much valued guests, first being Alessandro. Alessandro, how are you, my friend? Good. How are you? Hi, everybody. Very good. Thank you. And another friend of ours, Ian Kerr. Thank you for coming on, mate. No probes. Thanks for having me. Hope you're well. Very well. Thanks for asking. We're not going to linger too much on ourselves and what we do. We're going to jump straight into the first show because we've got a lot to talk about and it'll get more positive as the show goes along. So just starting with the slight suswall or hangover, I was a little bit more optimistic for this fixture than my friend Alessandro and, you know, my partner and co-founder Samir for Inter Worldwide. They were a little bit more conservative about this fixture, but I truly thought that we were going to break this bogey team and this hoodoo. So I'll start with you, Alessandro. What were your thoughts on the Sassuolo match and did it surprise you? Uh, I have to say I wasn't surprised at all. Honestly, before the game, if you remember, I was saying um, the score I was thinking it was probably 1-1 or a loss. Uh, so I'm pretty happy we got away with one point, if I have to be honest. Uh, I hope this is going to be just the first step and probably next season, if they're still in Serie A, but I'm sure they will, uh, we, we can uh, get the whole three points. Uh, other than that, um, we just we cannot make it work against them there is something in our brain we we lack of personality there was no rhythm they were way faster than us in in every part of the field so um there is very little to positive to take after that game if not the one point yeah absolutely i think in the tradition of just into things that happen it would be that kevin prince boateng was suspected to be injured 24 hours before the kickoff and then he comes and runs the show and earns himself a 31-year-old transfer to Barcelona. That would definitely happen in the same week that we play Sassuolo. Ian, throwing it out to you, what were your thoughts on the match with uh, Sassuolo and did it leave you quite bitter? Well, it actually did. I thought it was a disaster, to be fair. And like when you think about it, we're at home with disappointed 10,000 kids in our own stadium. And we've only managed to pick up one point out of six against Sassuolo this season. I mean, we had a big win against Napoli on Boxing Day, backed it up with a win against Napoli. A good win in the Italian Cup. And now we have Sassuolo. Poor performance and a tough trip for Torino. Like It's, it's hard to see things improving for this next match, to be fair. Torino is probably another side where we'd consider it a bogey side. We Very rarely do we play confidently against them and come back with three points. And, you know, we really should have had our first three points of the season in the, um, the round two fixture at home going up 2-0. I have to say I'm not... I have to say I'm not feeling 
that confident um, going into the Torino fixture. So, Alessandro, when it comes to Torino this weekend away, what are your thoughts going into this one? Do you see an Inter win or are we going to see another mediocre, lacklustre performance coupled with mental fortitude? I will surprise you. I actually think we're going to win this game. I honestly don't know why, <laughs> uh, but I, I feel like uh, the Torino Mazzari's team right now is not doing well at all. Uh, we, we saw the last game and um, I, I don't think they're going to perform well against us. So we're in a bad situation right now, but not as bad as Torino. In my opinion, uh, Belotti is is a different player from last year. I guess something's going on with Mazzari and the rest of the team. So hopefully, um, this is not the game that he comes back and uh, and get the, the I don't know three three goals or whatever it's gonna be. Uh, I really think we're gonna win like one zero maybe something like that it's not gonna be a good game it's, a, it's not gonna be spectacular at all but again if we get away with some point i i, I don't care at this point of the season uh, i take whatever honestly yeah, I'll, i'd have to agree i'm not that confident heading into it but i'm also a massive i have a massive disliking for matsari i'm sure you know that and he tends to have his managerial match of his career against us it's almost like there's a cup on the line every time he chooses to play inter and you can just see the bitterness and the resentment not only in his face but in his um, body language and his uh, approach to the inter bench and spalletti in the last couple of times that they've locked horns with each other ian going into torino this weekend and you know with us still a little bit on edge what do you think do you think that the ragazzi can turn it around psychologically and put in a big performance for the fans i think this is a huge game for parasic because two seasons ago this very same fixture was the start of his bad performances so very much he has unfinished business he needs to sort out at this ground so i would expect him to be wanting to chomping at the bit to put a wrong right could see his neck in it maybe one nil or possible draw but I'll say now, Handanovic has been very much in form. So with Bellotti not being in fantastic form, I think I don't think we'll concede. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's a pretty good bet to say. Look, Skrinia and Devray are more than capable at the back. They're our, they're our brick wall and Handanovic has been in great form, as you said again. So I'm not really feeling that threatened by Torino on the attack. I just think our lack of um, finishing in the final third, once we do get down in the danger areas, could cost us but you know i'm gonna go and uh, predict a one nil win as well just because i need to stay optimistic at this time of the season can't be going into fixtures expecting us to drop points every single time just quickly before we move on to news headlines and stuff a little bit of team news going into torino the only players that are not fit are Kaita Balde and Vershaliko as well. It has surfaced in the last 24 hours that there is another niggling injury, I think, in his hamstring. Now, just quickly before we move on to actual Mercato news and whatnot, Shimi Vershaliko has definitely not showed us that he is up to fitness. His ability as a right back is much better than Danilo Di Ambrosio. It's a whole class above him. But with a redemption fee set around the 18 to 19 million mark, do you think? I'll start with you, Alessandro. Do you think that maybe we need to look for a different option besides Shimi Vashalik, or is this the last straw in terms of injuries? 
Absolutely. <clears throat> um, back last year with the Atlético, it was having pretty much the same kind of season. It wasn't 100% uh, committed and fit to Atlético. This um, he had just a very good World Cup, and um, after that we decided to go uh, and and pick it up on loan. It's an improvement, in my opinion, compared to Ambrosio, but is not enough for us. Um, there are not so many plays on the market right now, but a solution could be for sure Darmian. You were uh, allowed if you allows that, and um, that that could be uh, also a cheaper um, option for us. But we we certainly need somebody else for next season. I I don't think we're gonna spend all the money on um, on Bursalico, honestly. I don't think so either. I think you and I are probably two of the only um, Inter fans that would actually advocate the move for Damian. I actually think he's a lot better defensively than D'Ambrosio. What Damian lacks going forward, you know, I think D'Ambrosio brings a little bit of flair to the right-hand side, but it's still very, very limited. A lot of people go on about D'Ambrosio's pass completion, but you would expect his pass completion to be high when every pass is in between four to six yards in a straight line down the right-hand side. So I'm actually, I would actually be all for Damian coming into Inter. Ian, what are your thoughts on the Vershaliko situation and do you see Damian as an adequate replacement to come in? I'll start. I mean, I thought Vershaliko was a very good signing and he's definitely a better right back than D'Ambrosio, but like the end, we can't be carrying players. We just can't. And if he can't, I still think, I don't think a decision will be made in January. I think it'll be made at the end of the season. If he can give us 10, 12 games, maybe, where he's fit, uh, I think, depending on them, on high players, I think Inter will have something to discuss at the end of the season rather than, you know, doing any talks now. Yeah, absolutely. Other than that, we've got a full squad to choose from from Torino. I would like to see Nangolan start. I'm just absolutely at my wit's end with these mediocre performances and ha- having him not contribute anything. I know he was brought on as a substitute with, what, 30 minutes left against Sassuolo. But even then, he just looked really out of his depth. He was so easy to contain. And that is not what you expect from Raja Nangolan for 30 minutes. We understand he's not at full capacity uh, Alessandro, do you expect the Ninja to start this weekend or do you think we'll see him eat more bench? I hope he's going to start. Even if, you, as you were saying, it wasn't like a game changer. He did something in those 30 minutes. He actually provided a, a nice assist, I think, to Lautaro. Um, that it was in converting goal. But he did a little bit better than we saw before the injured. Uh, so hopefully he's gonna start this this game and um, and prove us all wrong. I like to hear that. And what about you, Ian? Thoughts on Nangolan? Does he gotta be in the starting lineup if he's at least what 75-80% fit? I'd say so. With the midfielders we have, Vecino has been an absolute ghost in games. Gagliardini, I don't know what's happened to him. I'd like to see Gagliardini play, but I don't know what the hell's happened to him. The only thing with Nangolan, I would say, is we need to define what role he's going to play in midfield. Is he going to be a number 10 or is he going to sit in beside Brozovic? 
Yeah, absolutely. I'd have to agree. And I guess um, we'll find out very close to kickoff. Um, I don't know about you guys, but do you think that our team news, our official starting 11, is getting released a little bit later this season than in recent years? Well, you, you can pretty much already know what Spalletti is, is going to, which player is going to put on the field. He has a very sad um, 11 in mind and unless injured he's going always with the same man so um, you know that there's going to be a, a lot of uh, sorry uh, a, a little bit of rotation in the back between the right Miranda and Skriniar but then when there is a, a big game usually is the right Skriniar um, Icardi is the only striker in midfield we know that if, as, uh, next to Brozovic, he prefers Vecino when he's not available. He, he tried to play Joan Mario and then Paris is always on the left and oh. Politan is always on the right. So it's, it's really down to is uh, Versalico fine? No, then Brazil's playing. Is uh, Keita okay, but probably is gonna play the second half and uh, is gonna throw louder over the last 10 minutes. It's, it's pretty predictable right now. Um, so yeah, I don't see any, any big surprise, honestly, for him. And probably that's also the reason why uh, we have all these mediocre games. Uh, I don't, I don't feel like the passion i don't think uh, on the field now there is any form or a uh, form of inspiration or like we are in a, in a weird situation where we are too far from the first and second spot and we still have a, a little bit of cushion from the the fourth and fifth place so we can actually play these kind of stupid games. I don't know how, how else to describe them, but yeah. uh, hopefully something's going to change. I don't know. It, it needs something needs to be uh, done. Well, speaking about change, I, I was for the last three days. I've been thinking. I thought it'd be a really good idea to get Dalbert in at left back and move Asamoa beside Brozovic as the double pivot because we've seen that Asamoa can hold it down pretty well as a defensive midfield role. And where players like Vecino and Gagliardini have been lacking this season, I truly believe Asamoa could be an asset to us in that defensive midfield role. And, you know, we've seen D'Ambrosio play on the left as well. So if need be to solidify that midfield with Brozovic, I really don't see why Asamoa is the last choice to chuck in there, but you'd have to ask Empress Spalo about that. Moving on to transfer news, and we're going to focus on wingers to start this off. So, the news in the last 12 hours or so is that Atletico Madrid and Manchester United have been rumoured to make another move for Ivan Perisic. Now, it's not that I don't completely believe these rumours, it's just that a lot of these rumours also attach Martial to the deal. Anthony Martial, 
uh, the winger for Manchester United. Now, we've seen since Jose Mourinho has left Manchester United, Martial is a lot happier. He gets field time. Everybody is buzzing around the club. So I personally don't think Anthony Martial is going anywhere. I would say it's less than a 5% chance he leaves Manchester United. Now there's already talks of a contract extension on the table. And, you know, with the subtle... Uh, rumours that Jose Mourinho could be looking for a new club and our name chucked in the mix. I really don't think Anthony Martial is going anywhere near Inter and therefore the Perisic rumours don't have as much substance to me. In terms of Perisic moving for approximately 40 million euro, Ian, do you think there's any substance to these rumours? And if there is, what's your decision? Is it time to part ways with the Croatian? I, I do think there's truth in this because... Like he's been on social media liking their pictures and all that. He said he wanted to move there one day. So I don't think it'll happen now. I think it'll happen in summer. And to be fair, his performances really don't merit staying in the team, to be fair. Um, we should cash in while we still have a high value for him. Yeah, I would agree. Alessandro, your thoughts on Perisic? Yeah, probably uh, he's going to move in the summer. I don't see a movement right now. And uh, if he has to move right now, I don't think Marsha is the, is the right replacement. He's, he likes to play in, uh, in the, on the wings, but it is a totally different approach. It's more like um, a forward-minded wing, let's, let's say. Um, it, it's not coming back to defend as Perisic does. So we we should look to a totally different kind of wing. Um, I do like Marshall. Don't get me wrong; is is young, and uh, I I think it's a very good player. But I see him more like a Keita Balde kind of player. So yeah. you know, like a, almost like a second striker um, that that starts from the from the left wing and comes inside, but it's not really covering the whole um, flank like, like Perisic does, um, even though Perisic is not doing a, the best job in this season. So uh, I, I wouldn't mind switch Perisic with another player. I think if he wouldn't mind either trying to play in a different team or in a different league. Completely. Uh, I, I see a little bit hard to do it right now at seven days from eight days from the end of the market. But you never know with Marotta and this crazy market. Look at what happened with Boateng. I mean, that was totally out of the blue. And so you never know. Yeah, I guess we'll just have to see. Um, I would be all for the sale of Ivan Perisic and hopefully we could squeeze even a little bit more than 40 mil out because, to be honest, it looks like Monaco, uh, if they don't get relegated, they'll definitely be in one of the bottom places in Liga 1, which means that we might be able to um, ask for a potential discount on Keita Balde because 35 million is a little bit excessive. If we can get that to the 30 or 28 mark, I think that would really sanction the sale of Perisic. And then with about 12 million left over from that, we'd only have to put in another eight to nine to redeem Politano. So essentially what we'd be doing is selling Ivan Perisic to redeem the rights to two players that can pretty much play his fundamental role, which I would not completely be against but there is that question to raise about the defensive the defensive qualities of those two wingers um rodrigo de paul 
Udinese winger has not only been linked with Inter, but as I've woken up in Sydney this morning, I have read that we have actually agreed terms with the Udinese winger and the club itself. The fee is somewhere around the 27 to 29 mark. I'm going to confess on air right now, I have not watched an Udinese match all season, apart from the one that we played. And so I'm going to throw it out to Alessandro Rodrigo de Paul. What do you know about him? What's your opinion on him? And do you think he is uh, he's what we are looking for as a Perisic replacement? I don't think, again, I don't think he is the perfect Perisic replacement, but I do really like this player so much that at the beginning of the season, I bought him in my fantasy soccer team and uh, is, uh, is always on the pitch for my, my selection. So I do like the player. I think it, it gives something more to the team. He's, uh, he has a very, um, how can I say, a big structure physically, is a big guy. So that's always good, especially in Serie A. And is yeah. um, fast, he has a good touch, and can provide assists and score. So that's definitely uh, a, some, a good player to bring in the team. Yeah, and Ian, have you seen much of Rodrigo de Paul? And if so, what are your thoughts on the Udinese winger? Well, so I haven't really seen that much of him, but... Uh... I know he's been lighting up the league a wee bit with his performances, but I I would just worry in case it's another Ricardo Alvarez. That would be my only, you know, <laughs> he has to, he has all the attributes to do well. It's just doing it week in, week out, every every week. Just yeah, more consistent. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if what Alessandro is saying is true and he has got a physically um, strong structure and he is fast. There's two attributes that Ricardo Alvarez had absolutely none of whatsoever. So let's just hope that um, <laughs> you're not wrong there. We're moving on a little bit now to the midfield situation. Now, I'm trying not to get too psyched up or too excited. You know what's coming, but apparently we're front runners for Barella. He's an Inter fan. His favorite player is Dejan Stankovic. Marotta is trying to make it work. Basically, all... all all the right moves are being put into place and it's all falling into place. Alessandro, do you think we strike a deal for Barella this Mercato or is this something that is going to carry on into the summer before it becomes official? The sooner the better. This summer is going to be a lot of competition. The price is going to be higher. But I think we may, at the end of the day, see Barella in Nerazzurro and that would be awesome. At that point, I'm sorry for Gagliardini, Vecino, whoever is going to leave space for him on the field. But he's young, but at the same time, so mentally old. Like, he has so much experience already, and he can play at a level that it, it's, like, just great. So I, I honestly cannot... Uh, stretching up how strong this player is and how much can bring uh, to our team, even though it doesn't have any European experience, but it doesn't look so. I'm sure if he's going to um, start playing for us or for any other big team, he's ready. You know, it's like Verratti was for, for PSG uh, coming from Pescara, same situation. 
just I hope is coming to Inter this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Ian Nicola Barella, do you agree? Is is he really the best central midfield option in Italy in terms of age and ability correlation? And would he be the perfect signing for us above any other central midfielder? He definitely gets two thumbs up from me. I would definitely take Barella. And like Alessandro said, I'm sorry for Gagliardini or Vecino, but Barella's a better player and a more a more all-round player as well. He can do the same role as Brozovic. He can sit in deep and pick up the ball, or he can go further forward, as Cagliari have been playing further forward recently. Like, Definitely get it done as soon as, because if, if we wait the summer, it'll be too late. You'll get snapped up by someone else. Can I add yeah. a couple of things? Of course. For whoever doesn't know this player, um, I think he was playing against uh, Lazio or Roma, but uh, watching the game, he was everywhere. It, it looked like there were like four Barella on the pitch. It was, it's crazy. It, it can run, it can press, it can wait and steal the ball at the right time and then pass it um, right away to to another player. It's like, it, it's just um, mentally, he he's another level. It's like uh, 40 class, uh, I don't know. Uh, how to translate that, but it's just a champion, and uh, and he's I think 21, yeah. So he, he looks like Cambiasso when it was 34, you know what <laughs> I mean? He already has so much soccer experience that he, the, the 21 years is not. Um, the the right amount. <laughs> I don't know how to ex explain that, but uh, he's, uh, got, he's got ma maturity beyond these years. That's what you're trying to say. Correct, correct. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like speaking about soccer, then in private life too. Uh, private life too. It seems uh, very uh, with a head on their uh, on their shoulder, like um, very. Uh, devoted to the family and uh, and uh, professional player, not like somebody else we, we see around the Pinetina. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we've all had to see how much extra work Marcelo Brozovic has had to pick up this season. So signing someone like Barella it would almost be a double signing, really, because you'd unleash this other side of Marcelo Brozovic that doesn't need to account for so many of the shortcomings of Matias Vecino and this season Roberto Gagliardini and this season Raja Nangolan as well. So I guess we all know that Marcelo Brozovic is our unspoken hero of this campaign and he really does deserve the rest more than anybody, to be honest. Um, moving along, we're not going to stay on the air for much longer. Uh, just before we move on to our inter-worldwide club segment, which I'm very excited for, it'll be my personal favorite segment of the podcast each uh, edition. Um, just a little bit of a transfer update that doesn't concern Inter. It looks like it is official now that Gonzalo Higuain is going to be playing for Chelsea. I've even seen him holding up a Chelsea jersey, and that's usually when I start to say that it's official. Uh, Piatek looks to have landed in Milan and completing his medical. Ian, I'll start with you. Piatek to Milan, a good move for them, yes? But more importantly, how did they get through this financial fair play loophole again? 
Well, actually, I've been asking myself the same question and scratching my head. How they were able to buy Paqueta, who came at 35 million. Uh, Piatek is coming for apparently 35 million plus bonuses. And they've only got 9 million back off the loan deal for Higuain. So, like, I'd like to see UEFA ask some questions about how they're able to even operate. Yeah. Absolutely. Alessandro might be able to give us a little bit more closure, but to be honest, I feel like we've been having this conversation for over a year now. Alessandro, any, any shed some light on the Piatek deal? No, absolutely not. Uh, I was surprised when they the, the were chatting about uh, this uh, Higuain, uh, Piatek uh, was going on. I was like wondering, it's like, I was wondering even with the uh, Paqueta deal, uh, back in our old podcast, what was going on at that point. And now I see this and I, I'm just really confused. Um, I, I think uh, overall, I think it's a good move, at least for Chelsea and, and Higuain. I don't know if it's the right move for Milan since we saw just half of season of Piatek in, in Serie A. So... Uh, it's a little bit risky, in my opinion, especially since you are not in the best financial situation. But uh, it's not our team, so they can do whatever they want as long as um, they they have the money of everything is um, it's approved by UEFA. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, we are going to move on to our final segment of today's podcast, which is where we touch on the Inter Worldwide Clubs edition. So first, I'm going to throw it out to Alessandro. Can you give our listeners a quick outline of what to expect and what this segment is going to detail, mate? Okay, so um, after the Napoli um, game and all the awful things that happened, I thought that... um, to me, it was a no-brainer to start this uh, new section of the website and um, take after our name, Internazionale. I thought to uh, try and put together um, interclubs all around the world and see how they live the Serie A soccer and um, how they follow the team. Uh, what Inter means for them. So in the next season, in, sorry, in the next weeks, uh, I'm going to start to interview um, each week a different club around the world, a uh, different Inter club around the world, and uh, hopefully um, one representative of that club would be uh, on the podcast as well. Uh, I cannot promise that. It's it's a little bit tricky sometimes um, connecting people from a different part of the world. So um, I can't promise that, but for sure we're going to see the interview on the website. Absolutely. How good. No, we appreciate your dedication, man. And whatever you can bring us from any clubs around the world would be fantastic and really give the authenticity to our worldwide name. Speaking of 
into Worldwide and having some very special Worldwide guests. I was so privileged and honoured yesterday to be able to go to a small sporting ground called Bonnie Rig Sports Ground in Western Sydney, where none other than Dejan Deki Stankovic had landed in Sydney yesterday to promote his Deki 5 training camp, which actually looks like a really efficient, productive football camp. He had about seven or eight trainers with him who was running the camp for about 200 kids in Sydney, and it really was something special to see. Uh, just quietly, I may have pushed and shoved in front of 200 young Serbian children to get my photo signed and my jersey signed first. But you know what? Only the strong survive. So, Ian, we're talking about interclubs, and I know that you have set up the interclub in Belfast, uh, which is really exciting, and that's on the map now. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it was uh, me and two others, Mark McDermott and Mark Douglas, uh, contacted each other actually through Twitter with the idea to start one in Northern Ireland. And uh, so we put it out there, we advertised. We've got, so far, after all the advertising, it's 26 members, senior members and two junior members. And you need 25 to become official. So I'm happy to announce we became official at the end of November last year. And we're currently in the process of, uh, we're getting the banner done. And Enter want us to send them the photo of the banner with a little bios from the club, something similar to what Alessandro's doing. And I just want to say it's a great idea that nobody else is doing. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, getting, you. getting to see how, how people, you know, watch the clubs in their different countries to see if they're any different to how we watch it, you know. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. With uh, everyone around the world having to wake up at different times, you can only expect that the mannerisms would be different um, for all different clubs. Wouldn't you agree? Well, that's it. It's like it's nighttime here at the minute. I'm in the UK, obviously, in Belfast, and you're in Australia, so it's like morning time where you are. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah that's, so what we, that's what we're trying to bring to our name, as much authenticity as possible, and just to connect all into fans around the world, just so we can stick to our traditions and the roots um, as the the international club guys that's all we have time for today uh we don't want to keep this podcast going any longer than around the time that we have now each and every edition so thank you from myself anthony for tuning in on this first pilot edition we are going to stay as consistent as possible if you haven't already please like and subscribe to our website youtube and facebook which is pumping out content on a daily basis for all our brothers of the world. Thank you so much to Ian and to Alessandro for coming on. It was really great to have you both. Thank you so much. And I just wanted to say, if you're part of an interclub, if you know anybody who is part of an interclub, please send us an email, a message, a pigeon with a message, but whatever. Please contact us or send us some question or whatever um, idea you have uh, to our website. And um, I hope to I hope you come back next week. Absolutely. And thank you to my friend Ian for joining us. It was really good to have you, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thanks for letting me plug into Club Belfast. Kind of odd that if anyone's listening in the UK region, like you can get a hold of us through email at interclubbelfast1908 at gmail.com. So if you're interested, we'd be happy to have you. Lovely. Grande ragazzi. Thank you so much. And I will leave this by saying Forza Inter. Ciao. Ciao.